Well, it's a pleasure to be back here today, and I'm just going to jump right into it. We have been looking um, at a sermon series called Everyday Wisdom, and it's been a really good series. We've been really just digging deep into the book of Proverbs, and today we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to all of us, and that's compassion. We're going we're gonna to look at compassion specifically for the poor, and Steve just read the verse, the key verse for today. Proverbs 14.31, it says, whoever oppresses the poor, whoever uses their authority in an unjust way to exploit the poor, shows contempt, shows reproach or insults their maker. But whoever is kind or shows generous compassion to the needy honors God. As Christians, we are called to have compassion for the poor. And as a church, we would like to think that we have compassion. We think we're pretty compassionate people. And as I started preparing for this message, I started thinking about a recent examination that I had. Um, I recently had a head-to-toe examination. I went to the doctor, and he he pulled out this sheet of paper, and he went from my head all the way down to my toe. And prior to the examination, he said, write down all of the things you think is wrong with you. And I I was like, well, you don't have enough pages for that. But But I was like, I'm a pretty healthy guy. Like, there's not much going on. I'm, I'm good. And uh, so he started to do the examination. What I want to do today is I want to give us an examination. I want us to go through an examination and examine whether or not we're really compassionate. So let's pray and ask God to open our hearts to his word. Father, we come to you right now and we pray that you would open our hearts. I pray your spirit would go before us. I pray that we would just get real with you, Lord Jesus, about this. Please be with us as we look into your words. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that the doctor did was he asked me these questions. He was trying to gauge my cognitive ability, whether I was thinking correctly. And the first thing that we have to come to grips with is how we think about the poor. So our first point is compassion for the poor is sanctified inclusion. Proverbs 22.2 says, Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What is sanctified inclusion? What do I mean by that? Well, it's a mindset. It's a mindset that recognizes that we are all made in the image of God and have intrinsic value no matter where we fall on the socioeconomic strata. It's a mindset that instead of them, it's us. It's not just them, it's us. It's us as people, people made in the image of God. We're all in this together. Why? Because God has created us, and we have this intrinsic value. When I pastored on the Indian Reservation, uh, Tries for Christ Community Church, we'd have people that would want to come aboard the reservation, and they would want to do outreach projects. And I would have conversations, and it would always kind of center around, well, you know, those poor Indians. Those poor Indians. And, and I called what they, what they were saying this dignified exclusion. It sounded very altruistic, but it was, and it was in dignified words, but it was still that them mentality, and it was an exclusion mentality. I started thinking about what, how do I react when I come across someone who's poor? 
I see someone panhandling, I mean, go off and on 495, or you go to Market Basket, or you go to the store, or wherever, and you see someone, what's my first reaction? And I'd like to sit there and go, oh, my reaction is like, I, you know, I get this glow, the Shekinah glory around me and everything, but my first reaction is this, don't make eye contact. Just keep driving. Maybe they won't notice. Maybe they won't, I hope they don't come and ask me anything. And I get this nervousness. My stomach starts to like get upset. Does anyone else feel that way? And it's wrong. It, it disgusts me that I even feel that way. What do you think about when you see the poor? What's your first reaction? I want us to, in the coming week, pray and ask God to expose these prejudices in our thoughts towards the poor. It's a huge thing. The second thing that the doctor did is he started examining my eyes, and he had me put my face up to like one of these, it's like a big viewfinder. Um, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, and I put my face up to it, and first thing I thought about was how many other people put their face up to this, but, and then I got over that, and I started seeing like these circles, and it was like, like you'd say, what do you see in here, you know, what number, or what this, and he's trying to determine if I am seeing the right things. And it's the same thing with us as we look towards the poor. We must correctly identify opportunities that we could, we could help the poor. And that leads us to our second point. Compassion for the poor is strategic generosity. Proverbs 13, 23 says, an unplowed field produces food for the poor, but injustice sweeps it away. There's plenty of injustice out there. And as Christians, we're called to see that injustice and we're called to, to, to approach it and called to, to identify it and called to do something about it. However, we must be strategic in our generosity because we could just possibly make things worse if we're not. Let me give you an example. In Afghanistan, and maybe some of you have heard of this, in Afghanistan, when we first went into Afghanistan, um, there was a lot of villages without fresh water. And the way that it would work is the women would get together in the morning, they would go to a water source, grab waters in buckets, and then come back, and it was like a half-day thing. And so we thought, well, we'll go in there, we'll make wells for them, so they don't have to do a half-day trek to get water. So we dig the wells, and they were livid that we dug the wells. And from our mindset, we're thinking, well, you, you know how now you have access to fresh water. But we had just taken something away from them. The women had used that time as a way of bonding with one another. And we'd just taken that time away from them. We've taken that time that was sanctified to them. And we did something worse. We made it worse because we didn't understand the culture. So the question is, how can we be strategic in our generosity to the poor? Well, the first is get a better understanding of the overall situation and the culture. It's important to understand who we're trying to help and why we're trying to help them. We also should talk with like-minded organizations and people in the area that have been doing ministry in that area to kind of get a good understanding of how we could strategically help. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're also called to pray. Pray for wisdom as we go to help. Listen to the Spirit. Christ cares about the poor, and as 
The Holy Spirit advocates for the things of Christ. He's going to lead us into the opportunities that we need to serve. And this applies on a large scale or an individual scale. Like on an individual scale, like on a day-to-day scale. It could be as simple as, I buy some grocery cards, and when I see someone, I'll go ahead and I'll help them by giving them a grocery card. It might be I have some sort of homeless pack that I keep in my car that has has a Bible and some toiletries, and when I see someone, I give them that pack. There's a lot of opportunities to do that. So let me ask you, what are some opportunities that the Lord has put on your heart? We have them all around us. You've seen them. What has he put on your heart right now? The next thing that the doctor did is he looked at my jaw, my mouth, my voice to make sure that all the mechanics of, of talking were, were good. And it's the same thing with us as we talk about the poor. We must say the right things to the poor. That leads us to our third point. Compassion for the poor is gospel empowerment. Listen, the gospel has the power to transform families, lives, and communities. It's a powerful message. It's not just a bumper sticker. We could give people food. We could give them financial aid and clothing. But if we're not proclaiming the truth of the gospel, we are not showing them real compassion. Instead, we're denying them the message that can empower and transform. And at the very heart of that, we have the words of life. And if we're denying telling them that, we're not being compassionate, we're being cruel. I remember being in Kenya, and I was sitting with um, the president and CEO of an organization called Transformational Leadership Africa. And we were doing ministry up there, and he said, Brian, you know what's wrong with Africa? And I said, you guys need more aid. You need more stuff. And he goes, no. He goes, you know how many millions and millions of dollars flow through here? You know how many resources we have? It's not about resources. It's not about managing resources. He's like, it's a heart condition. It's a matter of the heart. We need a heart transformation. That only happens from the gospel. We need the gospel in Africa. That's what we need. And that's the thing. The gospel is the platform in which everything else flows from. You can't even possibly know how to use your resources unless you see it from a God's perspective and understand that everything you have is not yours. It's God's, and he's given that to you, and it's your sacrifice, it's your honor, it's your glory to go and and give that to him. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. And Jesus is talking about eternity there. He's saying, listen, you have an eternal problem. The problem is is that you've sinned and you've fallen short of the glory of God, and you have a heart. You have a heart condition that's just been ravaged by sin. But I came and lived a perfect life. I was hammered to a cross. I was buried, but I resurrected. I overcame death. And when you put your faith in me, you overcome death. You overcome everything. Now and for eternity. That has transformation. That changes. Listen, giving bread 
Physical bread to the poor is essential. We have to meet, meet, make, you know, meet needs. But giving them the bread of life is imperative, and it's true compassion. So let's just get real for a second, just between us. What keeps us from sharing? I know what keeps me from sharing. Someone calls me at home, and they want to sell me something. I'm like, no thank you, click. Someone comes to my door, no thank you, click. I reject him right off the bat. And we feel like we're going to get rejected. And so we don't even say anything. And you know, the, fa- the fact is, is we might get rejected. But it's also just getting into a conversation with someone and saying, you know, the hope that I have, the hope for my life, let me talk to you about that. Let me tell you about this hope that I have. And it's very organic. It's very natural. You're just telling them about the hope that you have in Christ. So I have to ask you, when was the last time you shared the gospel with the poor? The next thing the doctor looked at was my hands. He had me squeeze these little, I don't know what they're called, I just called them like squeezometers or something, I don't know. You doctors will know what I'm talking about. You squeeze it like, oh yeah, you got a pretty good grip. He wanted to make sure my hands were fully mobile. And it's the same thing with, with us. We're called to be the hands of Jesus. That leads us to our fourth point. Compassion for the poor is gospel action. 1 John three seventeen and 18 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can, they love, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Our gospel message must be defined by our gospel action. They work in tandem. See, we pronounce, we proclaim Christ as the risen Savior. And in today's world, we've been promised so many things. The the definition of words kind of have, have lost their sting. So we must then follow it up with action and define our words by our actions, not the other way around. They work in tandem. And just as easy as it is for us to do a lot of social action without the gospel proclamation, it's just as easy to preach the gospel and then sit on our hands and our feet and do nothing. So let me ask, maybe some of you are sitting here like, really, how big of a deal is this to show compassion for the poor? I want to take a slight excursion for a moment and hear what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew 25, 31. This is Jesus speaking. I want you to as I, as I read this, I want you to imagine you're here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So here, I want you to imagine. Christ comes down. You see his glory, and Every person from all nations are in this big group of people, and you're there too, and you're like, that's Christ. And then he starts this separation. He says, you go over to the right, you go over to the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king, Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So here you have Jesus. And don't miss this. Jesus isn't saying, hey, you work your way into heaven. What he is saying is that if you put your faith in me and you have the spirit inside of you advocating for the things of me and the passions that I have, you are going to take care of the poor. So if you're claiming to be me, one of my children, and you're doing nothing, there's a problem there. So I have to ask you, if he was to come back right now, are you on the right or are you on the left? Finally, they looked at my feet. They looked at my feet were nimble and if my gait of my walk was good and they wanted to make sure that I could walk properly. It's the same thing with us with the poor. We must walk alongside the poor as Christ did. That brings us to our final point. Compassion for the poor is empathetic companionship. Proverbs 19.4 says, Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Poverty is an isolating thing. And you become suspicious of outsiders very quickly. And as we are spurred to come alongside the poor, it's not an easy thing to do. Again, when I was at the reservation as a pastor, we'd have people that would want to help us. And they were so well-intended people. They just they wanted to come. They wanted to help us come alongside people at the reservation. But they kind of had this Hollywood sense of what it was going to be like. I call it they were expecting a Dances with Wolves experience. They would come, and there would be some, you know, some sort of discord in the beginning, but at the end it would be, you know, everyone sitting around a table and, you know, high-fiving each other. It was like a great thing. And they would leave and they would be disappointed. I would tell them, listen, you might be here for two weeks and no one will say a word to you. They might say, I've been here for three years and I barely get people to say a word to me. And I'm still considered an outsider. And many people would leave and they would be discouraged. We must remember that when we come alongside the poor, we are not the Savior. There's only one Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. Because you could get exhausted very fast. And you might feel like you're not doing anything because you're not seeing this transformation that you, you think you should see, but you are doing something. 
You're treating someone like a human being. And I want to just encourage you in this that, one, it's not going to be pretty. It's never pretty. Ministry to the poor is gritty because that's life. Life is gritty. And things are complex. But it's so much like Christ and it's beautiful. It's the gospel. And having a relationship with you might be the only example of Christ that that person ever knows. So i got to ask you, what has your relationship to the poor been like? As I concluded my examination, the doctor had that sheet, and it was just filled with stuff. And he exposed all these little things I didn't even know I had. So where are you at today as we did a head-to-toe examination of compassion to the poor? I want to challenge us as a congregation. It's a real easy challenge. The challenge is this. Get involved. Get involved. I encourage you when you leave here, go buy some grocery cards. Go make a little pack. It has maybe a little Bible and then some toiletries. Talk to Maureen. Talk to Roselle. We have people that are constantly in charge that, that, that bring all these, these things together and know exactly who to talk to. But get involved. Christ commands it. Christ expects it from us. And he's also empowered us to do this. He just doesn't leave us hanging in the wind. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to do these things. So get involved. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we come to you right now, and I just pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment as we seek how to have compassion for the poor. May we be your hands and your feet. May we preach your gospel. May we be strategic. May we be not afraid, but yet relying on you. We love you, Lord, and we just want to see you glorified, and we want to see people know you. May our compassion be spurred by the compassion you've showed us in Jesus Christ. So it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.